0: It's getting to a point, though, now where I want to literally be more in art
1: practice. This is a podcast about visual art at Auburn University. My name is Chris Molinsky, Director of Education at the Jewel Collins-Smith Museum of Fine Art. Today, we talk with Walter Hood about his exhibition, Arc of Life, Arc of Bones. Walter Hood is the creative director and founder of Hood Design Studio, in Oakland, California. He's also a professor and chair of landscape architecture at the University of California, Berkeley. In this episode, Walter talks about his life growing up in North Carolina, the first 10 years of which are represented in a series of paintings that he created for his exhibition at the Jewel.
0: Well, growing up in in the Carolinas in the 60s, you know, I was you know, just a little toddler most of the time. But my father was in the military, and so I didn't have an understanding that we lived in a segregated world. I mean, he was at Bragg, I was born at Fort Bragg, and my first few years, we were in Europe. So my first few years of memory are of Fontainebleau, uh, the Black Forest, and the kind of, um, I was telling a friend, the black GIs would go into Paris at, on the weekends, and my mother would take me, and my sisters were old enough, but I was still small, but they would take me in, and they would go to Pigalle, right? And my father would call it Pig Alley. He would always remember, he was like, yeah, I remember Pig Alley, right? Like Pig Alley, right? And so I grew up with Pig Alley in my head, right? But I would go there with them, And I have this fond memory of going there and the soldiers, and I'm sure there were mademoiselles everywhere, I I would dance, chubby checker, the twist, and things like that. And so I was like this little carry around. And then, you know, the carnivals, the Ferris wheel, and there was a hunchback guy in our neighborhood who somehow took me under his wings. I guess I was five or six, and he bought me a bike. So when we left, For like years, I had this bike, you know, that I couldn't ride. I don't know, but it had my name on it, right? Junet, Junior, right? And um, so those are the early memories. And then when I got back, we got back to Charlotte where my mom was like, we got to settle here. Then going to school, it was just, there were just black people. And again, I had no idea that there was. Right, this segregated world, because we just lived in this community with people who look like me. You know, my teacher was down the street, you know, the librarian, the doctor, you know, people were living together. And then the 70s hit, and this thing called busing happened. And I was like, what's busing? And they're like, you're going to get on a bus, it's like I was in seventh grade, and we're gonna, you're going to go to a school out in the country. And we're like, what do you mean? And we knew there were these other schools, like North Mecklenburg, you know, all these other places. But getting on that bus and going to school and seeing all this new landscape and then seeing all these parents literally in lines with bats and bullhorns, I mean, it was like right out of a freaking movie. Um, So that's when it hit me that there was this other world and that there was this kind of forced integration happening. And that happened all the way through my high school experience.
1: A significant part of the exhibition in Auburn draws from this personal history, 10 paintings depicting memories from the first 10 years of Walter's life are displayed on the walls of the grand gallery. Leading up to the exhibition in Auburn, we asked Walter how painting has evolved as part of his creative practice.
0: You know, as a kid, I always drew, right? I could always delineate. And then in high school, I moved into drafting. And I knew going to college that being the first person um, to go to college, there's no way I could choose art as, as, a, as a degree. My father just probably would just like lose his mind. So I chose architecture, which was the closest thing. Um, and then after possibly maybe... 12 years or so practicing and then beginning to teach, I had the honor of receiving a Rome Prize. And at that point when I received the Rome Prize to go off to Italy for a year, I chose a proposal which was titled, Looking for Giorgio Chirico," And I was always interested in this kind of metaphysical uh, aspect of space. And at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, there's a, there, there used to be a de Chirico room before they changed it. Um, but I would always go and I was just mesmerized by de Chirico's paintings, and particularly the shadows and how time was actually present in those paintings. There was always a clock tower. There was always a train going somewhere and a long shadow, but just between those three things. And so my proposal was looking for Jojo Chirico and I said, I'm going to go to Rome, and I'm going to paint all of these sort of spaces throughout Italy. That inspired de Um I get to Rome in my amazing studio, looking out over Rome, and I couldn't paint. I didn't paint jack shit for like three months. I'm just sitting there just like... Ah and during that year, I must have made hundreds of just bad paintings and drawings. I didn't do any architecture at all, any landscape. I just was in my studio. I met some really great painters, Ross Blechner, David Ireland. There were painters and artists there, and that really changed my life to a certain degree, so it wasn't about making paintings per se, but it was really about me kind of shifting into a different cultural context. And I think that's where it really began. And I stopped sketching that year. I stopped doing architectural sketches. Like I was as an architect, I thought you'd go around and you sketch all the buildings. I mean, I've had hundreds of watercolors and things like that. And one of the painters there told me to stop sketching and said, why don't you just paint? And at that point, I was like, what do you mean? Like, don't draw and fill in. Just paint. And I was like, wow, cool. And so that really kind of changed things because then the beginning of this idea of seeing color, light, you know, composition, all of those things. And then the surface became just this thing I became like really, really interested in. Uh, And then when I came back, I tried to figure out how to bring that into the design work, which was kind of like crazy. Like every project I would make a painting or something and my clients would be, can you give me something that's a little bit more realistic, right? So I kind of put that off on the side and then I got invited to Spoleto one year by Mary Jane Jacobs, who's this amazing curator. And after working with her and a few artists, she suggested that I come to the Art Institute. And then that led me down another sort of path and culture and that's where the art practice really really sort of taking off. And you know, even today I'm still trying to figure out how to to be in these worlds and the world won't let you. Which I find interesting that people tend to want to categorize you. And I'm tr- fighting my whole life for not being categorized, whether it's due to what I look like or whether it's due to what I practice, and it's just really, really hard. And so I've actually tried to stay away then from cultural settings that want to sort of pin me down one way or another. Um, What's nice about the university, even though I teach in landscape architecture and environmental planning. You know, no one's like standing behind me saying, you've got to teach this. And so in a way, the academic and the prof- our professional sort of context here has allowed me to kind of morph my own practice. And so some days I paint, some days I'm designing, so it just depends. Um, it's, um, it's getting to a point though now where I want to literally be more in art practice. And so now I'm growing the studio and having more senior people take on the design aspect. Not to say that I'm not interested in it, but I just want to spend my time more uh, in a more conceptual realm of
1: art. In our next episode of the podcast, we'll dive deeper into Walter Hood's exhibition, which pairs 10 oil paintings representing the first 10 years of his life with a large sculptural project called The Ark of Bones. Join us in the new year to see Walter Hood's exhibition at the Jewel. My thanks to Walter Hood for talking with us about his work. All museum programs, including this podcast, are made possible by listeners like you. Visit our website at jcsm.auburn.edu to show your support. Thanks.